We're grateful for your manifold blessing upon our life. Lord, I thank you for these that have come tonight. I know it's been a full day, and I know they made effort to come. Lord, it's a sign and it's a signal that they're true seekers first of your kingdom and the things of God. And so I pray a blessing upon each and every one of us tonight. As we get into the word of God, we pray that the eyes of our hearts would be flooded with light, that we would be encouraged in the realm of the Spirit, that we'd be edified and comforted and built up. Say to us tonight things from your word and by your Spirit, in the name of Jesus, and everyone said amen. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. So we've been in a, a series on the full armor of God, the whole armor of God. And uh, we got all the way down to the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I'll just say a couple things about those areas tonight as we dive into uh, something else. But the helmet of salvation, I believe that that could be very well referring to that we need to make sure that our minds are being continuously renewed with the Word of God. The helmet of the saved. You know, we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that's a process, isn't it? Yes. I, I know uh, I got saved back in 1975, but my mind is still being renewed. I'm still allowing to let the Word of Christ dwell in me richly and to, and to change the way that I think and to change some of the little stupid attitudes that perhaps may try to come up every now and some fleshly things. Has that ever happened to anybody or am I the only one? You know, that's why he says over there in Romans, he says to be uh, carnally minded is death. So, uh, you know, we could say it this way, that a person that's acting on the carnal mind, living according to the dictates of the flesh, really doesn't have that helmet of salvation on firmly, you know. So these things, these fleshly things, you know, they, they try to crop up now and then and affect our attitude and our way of thinking. And then it gets down here into the area of our speech. And that's not a good thing because we know that we can have what we say if we believe not and we say it. Amen? And so uh, it's important that we, as Christians, become spiritually minded. Now, the only way that I can stay in the spiritually minded mode is by staying my mind on Him and staying my mind on His Word. Him and His Word are one. Thank you, Lord. Thank God he's our refuge. Thank God he's our strong tower. And so the scripture says that when we keep our mind, when we stay our mind on him, um, then he will keep us. He will protect us or he will keep us in perfect peace or shalom, shalom. Amen. That's a double whammy of peace. We, we'll take that, won't we? Some of you are going to be taking some double portions next week. Well, make sure you load up on the Word, too. Because you don't want to come out to church on Sunday on the 29th looking like this. I've seen that holidayed look before. <laughs> dazed. Dazed by the holidays. <laughs> you, know, you know, we shouldn't be dumb and dumber. We should be sharper and sharper. Amen? 
Well, the world will make you stupid. You know, and, and too, much, too much of this and too much of that, it'll just, it'll weigh you down. And so the Bible says that we are to do what? We are to lay aside the weights and the things which so easily beset you. Well, I don't know what a weight is in your life, but I know what a weight is in my life. And so I know what to lay aside, and you should know what to lay aside as well. Amen? But you see, the point is, this helmet of salvation, to be spiritually minded, it produces life, and it produces a peace, oh, hallelujah, that does what? That passes all understanding. That's a powerful thing. You know, to have peace in the midst of a storm? I mean, I've seen some people recently, dear Jesus, I've seen some people that been going through some pretty stormy stuff. And in the midst of the storm, zero fear. I mean, no fear. Just, I'm not moved. And the person had a reason to be moved. But this person then has built their life on the rock of hearing and doing, therefore, they're not moved. So this, this can work. And not can, but this does work. But it works for those who work it. Understand this, that he's the one that performs it, but we have our responsibility to work the word. We have our responsibility to draw nigh to him and to stay in the word and let this word dwell in us richly and have it coming out of our mouth in abundance regularly. Those are the people that he's going to keep in life and in peace. Say it with me. For to be spiritually minded, it's life. It's life. Doesn't that sound better than death? Everyone say, life. I've come that you might have. I mean, that just feels good, doesn't it? I've come that you might have. And have it more. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Life. Life is God's will for you. Life is God's will for me. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody says, well, I, you know, I've, I've got kind of a battle going on in my mind right now. I'm really in the midst of, a, of some real turmoil. Well, let's, let's talk about that tonight. Look at uh, John 14. We'll get back to that sword some other time. Look at John 14. And uh, notice verse 27. John fourteen twenty seven it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Now notice this. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You are the one that is allowing your heart to be troubled, or you are the one that is closing the door on agitation, on being distressed, you are the one that controls 
Whether you yield to fear or whether you yield to faith. Whether you yield to worry or whether you yield to peace. He said, he could just as soon say it this way, you let not. You let not your heart be troubled. Distressed. Another definition for that word troubled is agitated. Agitated. And then he says, my peace. Look at John chapter 14, verse 1. Look at John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Same thing, right? Don't let it be distressed. Don't let it be agitated. He said in verse 27, my peace I leave with you. My peace, my peace. This peace that I leave with you, it's not as the world leaves or gives. It is the peace of God. Hallelujah. It could say it just like this. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourself to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Don't permit it. One preacher says it this way, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Now let's talk about keeping fear out of our lives and worry. Job said this. He said that the thing that I greatly feared, what has it done? He says the thing that I greatly feared has what? It's come upon me. In other words, what I have feared has happened to me. What I dreaded, what I anticipated, what I was afraid of, came to me. Listen to that statement. Fear is the expectation of the worst case scenario. And it brings bad on you. But faith is the expectation of the best case scenario. It pushes bad away from you. And an expectation of good comes to you when you believe and you trust Jesus. Amen. Recently a a person said to us, well, I'm believing for the best case scenario. You know what the best case scenario? The best case scenario is found in the Word of God. It's the good report. It's the good report. It's the God report. It's the right report. It is your report, and it is my report, and I believe it. Say with me, I believe for the best case scenario to happen in my life, in my loved one's life. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. Good things are coming my way. Glory to God. Something good. Something good is going to happen to me today. That's what old Robert said. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, something good is going to happen to you today. 
So fear is a magnet that draws trouble and destruction. The fear of man brings a snare. In the Hebrew, where it says, the thing I greatly feared came upon me, the Hebrew literally says it this way, I feared a fear and it came upon me. But faith is a magnet that draws protection and deliverance for you and I. Amen? In Proverbs 29, verse 25, let's look over there. We might as well just shout. We might be a few in number, but oh man, we're strong in faith tonight. Hallelujah. This is the faith bunch. Glory to God. We're strong. Amen. Amen. I'm strong in the Lord. How about you? And in the power of His might, you're getting stronger by the day, brother. What's your first name? Is it Frank? Joe. And Fraga? I got your last name right. Joe Fraga. You must be Portuguese. Amen. We love Portuguese. Amen. Now, look at this scripture. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be what? Man can't hurt me. Devils can't hurt me. I've got my trust in him. In Psalm 34, verses 1 through 4, let's open there and read that together. Psalm 34, verse 1 through 4. See, we're keeping fear out, and we're keeping faith strong, right? You want to close that back door? It gets a little chilly in here with uh, the back door open, a little draft. Uh, Psalm 34, everyone say, ha, ha, ha. Go just do it this way. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I get a kick out of that right there. <laughs> oh, glory to God. I'm happy because there's nobody asleep yet. <laughs> Psalm thirty four verses one through four. He said, I will bless the Lord. Not just when I feel like it. His praise shall continually be in... What if... if, Wow, that's awesome. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us do what? Now, notice the context of this. We're blessing the Lord. We're praising Him on a continual basis. We're humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. It's making us glad in verse 2. We're magnifying the Lord corporately and individually in our life. We're exalting His name together. We're doing that here. We're doing it everywhere we are. That is one way that you and I seek the Lord. That's one way to seek the Lord, by doing those things. Notice he said, as a result of this, I sought the Lord and He heard me and He delivered me. From half of my fears. No, thank God he delivered me from all of my fears. Verse 6. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of his altar, all of his troubles. He'll even deliver us out of poor troubles. Amen? And so one person says it this way. Adopt a zero tolerance policy towards any form of fear. 
The first thing that we are to say that comes to agitate us and to rob us of our peace and to bring fear into our lives, the first thing we do in the face of those things is fear not. Fear not. Fear not is declared over 110 times in the Word of God. You suppose God's trying to make a point? Absolutely is. Look at Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. Let's bring it up there. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. I've got the helmet of salvation on tonight. Hallelujah. I'm being renewed in the spirit of my mind. I'm learning to think more like he thinks. Hallelujah. The things I can't see, he's going to enable me to see. Amen. What's been cloudy is going to become clear. Amen. Because we draw near to his throne without fear. Amen. In Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Let's read this together. Notice this. He said, fear thou not. Why? For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Fear not. There's nothing to fear. Don't look around you in terror and be dismayed. For I am your God. He said, I will strengthen you and I will harden you to difficulties. I will help you. I will uphold you and retain you with my victorious right hand of rightness and justice. Say it with me real strong. I refuse refuse to fear. fear. No fear here. I shut the door door. on on fear. Now, you all know this verse, but I want to look at it tonight. Look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Never apologize for looking at the Word. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Refresh yourself tonight through the Word of the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. For God, for our good, good Father has not given us the spirit of fear. I mean, where would he get it? He doesn't have it. I mean, where would he give it to give it to you? He doesn't have fear. Fear does not exist in him. But of power. He's got power to give, and he's given it. And the love. He is love. And of a sound mind. So, what I'm saying tonight is this, is when you shut the door on fear, you're opening up the door for him to move in your life. You're opening up the door for healing. You're opening up the door for protection. You're opening up the door for financial blessing. Amen? You can't talk about how bad things are in the world and how bad things are in the economy and expect to prosper. You can't prosper unless you have a prosperous soul or a prosperous mind, a prosperous way of thinking. You see, a prosperous soul will keep you in life in peace. So shut the door on fear. No more lack talk. 
I mean, that's, to me, lock talk is trash talk. It's garbage. Why talk lack when you can use the same energy, the same tongue, and the same mouth to talk abundance? The tongue of the wise is health. The tongue of the wise brings healing. That means you can bring healing to others through your words, but you also can bring healing into your own lives by just keeping your tongue aligned with the healer in healing scriptures. Close the door. Close the door on fear. Neither give place to the devil. Well, what do you mean the devil? Fear is a spirit. It's devilish. It doesn't belong to you. It's not part of your born-again spirit. It's something we've been delivered from. So we need to then close the door on fear and then open our hearts and open our lives to prosperity. Prosperity. Abundance. Beloved, I wish or I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your what? Even as your mind gets renewed to the word of God concerning God's will to prosper you and you become convinced of it and you don't let other things come into your thought life, you cast them down and you don't let doubt and lack come out of your mouth, glory to God, you'll begin to prosper and walk in divine health. But it's in direct proportion to as your soul prospers. My soul is prospering. I've just determined in my heart, I'm not going to let my life slip into the world's way of thinking. I'm not going to let my, my mind, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to go there. I refuse to go there. Sitting there feeding on all this junk about stuff that's going on and here and there. Let's talk about God. Let's not talk so much about what the devil's doing. Let's talk about what God's doing. Let's talk about what our good, good father's up to. Not Akmar Halabu or whatever his name is. Amen. Pray, believe God. But let's talk about our good, good father. Let's talk about what he's able to do. Hallelujah. That's right, Bertha. You're feeling that, aren't you? Amen. All right, so in Psalm 27, 3, it says, Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rises against me, even in this will I be confident. And then quickly over to Psalms 112, verses 6 through 8. Psalms 112, verses 6 through 8. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Glory to God. Just determine in your heart that you're going to have revival, whether anybody around you is or not. (laughs) Just determine, as for you and your house, you're going to walk in revival. Amen? You're going to walk in this newness of life. Psalm 112, verse 6 through 8 says this. Surely he will not be moved forever. The righteous shall be an everlasting remembrance, verse 7 and 8. But he shall not be afraid of bad news. Why? He got that helmet on. 
He's got his heart fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. So we started out talking about the helmet of salvation. We're talking about not allowing ourselves to be agitated. Now, the word agitated means to be disturbed, to be in turmoil, and to be in unrest. Here's what Jesus told us to do when those things come into our lives or knock on the door of our lives. Are you ready for it? Will you act on it with me? Even if you have to do it by faith? Let's just put it this way. This is a dress rehearsal for ha-ha time. Look at John 16. Notice verse 33. I'm sorry, Lord. Glory to God. John 16, verse 33. He said, Now, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace, that in me you may not be disturbed, that in me you may not be in turmoil, that in me you not, may not be in unrest, but that you be in rest. Everyone say rest. So these things I've spoken unto you. He's given us his word that in me you might have peace. And now in the world you shall have tribulation. Tribulation means pressure. There will be stress. There will be adversity. It also means like a crushing it also means like a, a squeezing. It's like being pressed upon. That's why you want to make sure that you've got a good deposit on the inside of you so that when you're squeezed, the good things come out of your mouth. When you're squeezed, something else comes out of your mouth than what a lot of people say. And we don't even want to think about that. You know people cuss without even thinking, right? Oh, did I say that? That's because what's in them. So it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, it's going to come out one way or the other, what's on the inside of you. Because there is, there is going to be the test. There is going to be the crushing, the pressure. And so the enemy, then, is the author of that. We know that we, we, we find in James that it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God tempteth no man. And so you could get into a great big teaching along those lines. But the only thing that God tempts us with and tests us with is the test of obedience. Right? But the devil will tempt you and test you and bring tribulation to you to try to crush you, okay? To try to alter your peace. And here's what Jesus said to do when the squeeze is on. We could call this message tonight, What to Do When the Squeeze is On. <laughs> what to do? Now notice this. In the world you'll have tribulation, but... Go drink a beer. 
Huh? Go drink a beer and say, boys, it don't get no better than this. Go to Las Vegas. No. But be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. <laughs> be a good cheer. Because in a few more days, it'll all be over with. Be a good cheer. Because in a few more days, the relatives will be going home. Right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Ernie, he said, be a good chair. Uh-uh. That's not what he's talking about. He said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Now, we need to, the, to look at some definitions of what that means. When Jesus said, be of good cheer, what he's literally saying to me and to you is brighten up. Brighten up. Smile. Even if you have to fake it. Brighten up. Rejoice. Do a dance. And spin around. Now, you said you'd act on this. So we can gain victory over agitation by responding the right way, by rejoicing. You do not always feel like rejoicing. That's when we need to rejoice the most. And it doesn't have to be some sort of a worked up thing, a little flippant thing where someone's trying to hype the crowd. But you ought to be able to rejoice right in your own home. Be able to look in the mirror and smile and just brighten up a little bit. You know? Glory to God. Rejoice. Say, glory to God, this is the day the Lord has made. Hallelujah. And even if you have to fake it a little bit, just do a little dance. Woo! Glory. And then if you don't feel like spinning around real fast, just go like this. He has, he has turned. <laughs> My morning into dancing. <laughs> He has time. <laughs> My joy into sorrow. <laughs> Glory to God. No. Now you got to practice this. You got to practice it. <laughs> you got you got you got to work on it a little bit. <laughs> Oh, I spent a lot of time in church, all right. I might as well have, you, you want to have a good time, let's just rejoice. Glory to God. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to practice this. 
Right? It requires practice. <laughs> Amen? Glory to God. <laughs> Brighten up. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't know what I've been through this week. I just wish you'd stop all that and get serious. I'm not going to do it. You've been sad and serious all week long. It's time now just to, come on now, brighten up a little bit here. (laughs) Amen? We might as well. Now, it would be wrong to brighten up if we didn't have someone or something to brighten up about. But last time I checked, he's the good, good father that raised Jesus from the dead. He's the good, good father that took you out of sin and made you an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. He's the good, good father that sits on the throne that said he would supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Last time I checked, by his stripes we're healed. Last time I checked, he's coming again. Woo, Nelly. Whoa. Get your motor running, baby. Huh? That's something to be happy about. You got to recall these things to your mind. Otherwise, you'll just, you'll be bummed out all the time. And quite frankly, you will be a bummer to be around. Now, I didn't say you are a bummer. You know, you can drop your stones. So it's, it's, you know, I mean, you can all come to church and you can, you know, be led into it. And that's great. And I like that because sometimes you've got to prime the pump. And there is an anointing for corporate joy. And there's an anointing for corporate laughter. And there's a, whoo, there's a spin in the spirit. Oh, my back here. <laughs> I almost let her rip. <laughs> but there is a spin. Amen in the spirit. There's an anointing, which obviously wasn't there right then. <laughs> practice, practice. Practice makes perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. There's an anointing to roll on the floor. I've seen I've seen Brother George. When Brother Hagin gave him a, tried to give him a microphone over there on Royal Avenue, I said, Brother George, get hold of that mic. And it was, like, it was like electricity going through his body. That's an anointing. Brother Hagin says, Mark, he says, that beats anything I've ever seen. <laughs> it did, too. It's good. So thank God for that. I, I can run with the best of them. I can dance with the best of them. You know, when the anointing's there, I can even spin a little. Amen. So we never, ever minimize that corporate anointing. It's very, very, very important. But we don't want to just wait until that 
corporate anointing hits to do that. This is something, yes, I said it, that you can practice. You can practice this at home. You know, I'm just going to do it. Glory to God. I got a place in my home called Hallelujah Hallway. Oh, bad report. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. This is the day of the Lord has made. Woo, glory to God. Bills are stacking up higher. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, glory to God. The furnace just went out. Glory. <laughs> That's right. Woo, glory. Well, Pastor, you know this they said about you? Whoa! Glory! There it was. Thank you. They're talking about you. They said this about you. Well, I just got laid off. That's a good time to practice. Just... <laughs> And then just laugh by faith. Run by faith. If you'll run in your home and dance in your home and sing in your home and shout in your home and rejoice in your home, the walls will already be falled down before you get to church. And not only that, but you will be a person that gets drunk so easy that when that corporate anointing hits, I mean, you'll be like, first one there. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You won't be one of those people that Pastor Tom sometimes on Sunday morning has a... Then when an hour is gone... No. The, the key is stay full. Be full. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't wait for someone to come along and stir you up. Now that's all right, but get stirred up yourself. Be prayed up yourself. Be worded up yourself. Practice at home. Be a doer of the Word of God especially in those midnight hour things. And then I also want to say this. When everything is going just fine, don't you forget to rejoice. Don't you forget once you've had that surgery and things have turned around or you've gotten a miracle in your body. Don't you dare forget your healing scriptures. Don't you dare forget God's house. Well, I met my wife at the heart of the bay. Well, that's awesome and that's great, but where have you been the last year? I just heard the organ. I <laughs> just, whoo, glory. Amen. Say it be, I am a doer. I shall be a good cheer, brighten up, rejoice, do a dance, and spin around. Amen.
Giving thanks. It's Thanksgiving time. Giving thanks in everything. When you praise him at home, he will inhabit your home with his presence. Just like he inhabits this house with his presence. Amen. What to do when the squeeze is on. Do what Paul and Silas did. Pray. Pray. Sing. So again, say it with me. Be a good cheer. Take courage. Be certain. Be undaunted. Why, Jesus? Because I have overcome the world and the God of this world, and I have given you overcoming faith and world overcoming peace. It's the truth. Jesus has literally deprived the world of its power to conquer us. We're all going to face storms. I wish we didn't. Amen? Your storm may not be the same storm as someone else faces, but the storm is coming. So the house must be built on the rock, not on the sand. You know, things can be going along real, real fine. And, you know, you can be on the sand and not know you're on the sand until it hits. Be on the rock. Let's close up with 2 Corinthians 2.14. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 2.14. This is your Thanksgiving message. I don't, I'm not preaching Sunday and I'm not preaching next Wednesday night. So how many of you give me just a few more minutes? Hallelujah. I'll preach to the backyard if I have to. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is a great verse right here. Have you got it there? 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Notice it says, Now thanks. There's that word thanks. Thanks be unto your good, good father. Every time I see the word God now, I think good, good father. It's just something on the inside of me. It helps me. It reminds me of my good, good father. Give thanks unto your good, good Father, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And he makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. This is not win a few, lose a few. No, he causes us to triumph always. How many of you know There can be victory even in the midst of the storm. Did you know that there can be victory even in death? You know, if we're going to live by faith, you can also die by faith. You just want to die the right way. Amen? Pastor Tom's dad-in-law going on to be the Lord wasn't a defeat. It was a victory. It was a triumph. A triumph for who? A triumph for him. Amen? Now notice with me, it says here that he always causes us to triumph and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. In other words, there is a fragrance, there is a smell of victory. You see, through your life and through my life, it makes evidence the fragrance 
of the knowledge of your good, good Father everywhere. If, we, if we're really living right and we're not full of ourselves and we're full of Him, when these victories come into our lives, oh man, it's a sweet, sweet smell of victory, of the fragrance of the goodness of God in your life, in my life. And you know, people may not understand it, but they know that there's something different about you. They know that there's absolutely something unique and very, very victorious about your life. That's a witness. That's a testimony. And so there is a connection also between thanksgiving and victory before and after. Let's stand to our feet. Abraham was given a promise many years before the promise came to pass. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? God said, I've made you the father of many nations. Abraham held fast and the scripture says, who against hope? He believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Abram called the things that be not as though they were. He refused to consider his own body, now dead. He didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith. And one of the ways that he maintained his strength and faith is he gave glory to God. How many of you are believing for something tonight, right now? Let's, what do you say we give thanks before? Let's give the Lord thanksgiving ahead of time. Lord, we praise you for our loved ones coming to the full knowledge of Jesus. Lord, we praise you for our mates. Hallelujah. For our families, Lord. We praise you for healing in our bodies. And Lord, we praise you for complete debt freedom. Lord, we give you glory. We give you the honor and we give you the praise tonight. Oh, we'll not wait until everything seems all right. We'll shout when everything doesn't look all right. We'll walk in the light of redemption. We'll walk in the light of the fullness of your spirit. Yea, we will stay full and we will overflow with joy. And we'll shout hallelujah while the walls stare us in the face. And surely the wall shall come tumbling down by shouts of victory and shouts of grace. For the Lord is on our side and he's working in us and working for us even in this hour. Come on, let's give him glory. Glory to God. The Lord is working. He is working. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And what you ought to be saying about your church, glory to God, souls are being saved. Hallelujah. Bodies are being healed. People are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Big checks are on the way. Amen. Big checks are on the way. This place is debt free. We are a mission Mission Church, reaching the world for the glory of God. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glory.